listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. On today's program, we're going to talk about and explore and investigate the real nature of the battle or the spiritual war that's going on, raging all around us. And I think the primary thing to start out with is the fact that we are in a time period like no other time period in the history of the world. There's never been a time like this, because the warfare that we're involved in, first of all, is not recognizable to, let's say, the vast majority of the people. Even in the United States of America, the overwhelming majority of people don't really have a clue as to whether we're in an all-out war or not. They have been so indoctrinated, so dumbed down uh, during their lifetimes through, through various external means that they live in a clueless state of consciousness. It's, it's pretty pathetic. It's pretty sad, don't you think? I think, it's, I think it's abysmal. I think it's disgraceful. I think it's disgraceful because the people that were charged with the responsibility of proclaiming and shining the light of truth. The people, listen, this is, you know, I'm going to get a little bit unhinged uh, here probably because I, I feel so passionate about this subject. And you know what? This passion has not dwindled after decade after decade after decade of my personal involvement and personal struggle in trying to shine the light in the darkness. It's only, it's only become, my response has only become more focused, more strategic, and more clear. I've never been clearer in my life as to the nature of the struggle we're in. I've never been more convinced than in my entire life. I've never had more documentation at my fingertips or facts to substantiate what I'm saying. And the vast majority of people, and that would be Christians, the one because it's Christians who claim to be the ones that have been given the assignment to be the light in this world, to shine the light in the darkness, to make disciples of all nations. And how could you possibly do that if you don't even realize that we're in an all-out spiritual war? How could you do that? You can't do it. So what you know what you do instead? You fake it. You fake it, and people don't like phonies, and they can smell the fakery a mile away. This is, this is the issue right here. We are in, in some respects, it's the most sophisticated technological war that you could imagine. So the war we're in is technological on a level that, I used to say on a regular basis, on a level of a science fiction novel or a science fiction movie. But the, the battle we're involved in is not only technological, it's biological, it's spiritual, and it is a life and death struggle of unprecedented proportions. And so it's because of those things, because it doesn't fall under the traditional framework, or it doesn't look like um, traditional warfare. You know, you don't see 
for the most part. I'm talking about on a global level. That, that could all change in a week, by the way, what I'm saying now. It could literally all change in a week. But for the most part, you know, you don't see, for the most part, for the highest percentage, you don't see tanks rolling down the streets, except, you know, in places like Ukraine and other places. You don't see uh, bullets flying, armies, uh, jets flying overhead, you know, firing off missiles. The traditional, or at least in the last 100 years, the traditional staples of modern warfare, the traditional trappings of warfare, uniforms, clearly identified flags, all of those things, they're not necessarily part of the landscape of the warfare that is now going all around us, because the warfare that is going on all around us right now is an invisible realm warfare that is primarily being fought on the spiritual level and the technological level. And you have to under, understand that first, um, or you will be unable to recognize whether or not you're in a war. See, if you don't recognize the contemporary evidence of this global warfare that I'm talking about, if you don't recognize the evidence that is all around you, because you're, you're trying to process it through the framework, let's say, of ancient Greece or ancient Rome, and, you know, they're, the shields they had, the spears they had, the armor they had, the chariots they had, all of those things uh, a person used to look at if they saw soldiers fighting and dressed in Roman or Greek military armor with swords and bows and arrows and shields, they would say, you know, there's a war going on. But but in our world, it's a whole different ballgame. People are, are lulled to sleep because they, they will say emphatically, as, as, as each day goes by, as each day goes by, and the war ramps up with more and more intensity, people will say verbally, especially Christians, with more and more intensity, they will proclaim just out of a complete framework of idiocy, they will proclaim, there's no war, what are you talking about? Everything's peaceful. Or, or the big expression now, I've noticed this during, I don't know, this goes back a while, but I've noticed it increasing in the last 20 years. People in the work world and in culture, both men and women, they use this phrase or variations of this phrase. And every time I hear it, I want to barf. And they'll say stuff to you like, when things are like going bad, and anybody who has half a brain cell working knows that things are going bad, they'll say something to you like, it's all good, man. It's all good. It's all good. I just, I got, had a guy, I was fired from a job once upon a time in America. And a guy who should have warned me, given me a heads up, I should have given myself a heads up for crying out loud. He goes to me, it's all good, man. It's all good. I wanted to slap his face. What are you talking about? It's all good. It's all good. He didn't mean it in any profound theological sense either. He was just parroting what he heard somebody else say. And I hear this all the time. It's kind of a way of, of justifying you shrugging off uh, any responsibility to actually have to deal with the little thing called reality. No, it's not all good. Sometimes it is great. 
sometimes it is wonderful. Sometimes it is good beyond your wildest expectation. But if you're going to be honest about reality and honest to yourself, speak the truth in love. If you're going to be honest, that means you embrace and try to practice the truth. If you're going to be honest, you have to also admit that sometimes, I wouldn't say it's all good, but sometimes there's a lot of good. Sometimes it's good. But if you're honest, many, many, many times, it's not only not good, it stinks to high heaven, it's rotten, it's a living nightmare, and you're saying things like, and these are honest things that you're saying to yourself, you're saying things like, I can't believe that this is actually happening, or I can't believe it's act- this is actually happening in America now, because things are so bad in the real world we call reality, that we are mentally confused momentarily because we have to reprocess what our picture of reality is in places like America or whatever. Am I making sense to you? I hope I am. It's not all good. Sometimes it can be very good, but that doesn't mean it's all good. And yeah, yeah, I'm not knocking, you know, God is good all the time. Yeah, God is good all the time. But if you take that biblical truth and quote it out of context, it actually becomes a lie. So let's let's rehearse it, okay? So like, God is good, and then you repeat to me, all the time. Okay, that's true. We both agree. God is good all the time. But what does that mean? It means that God is good all the time, but his goodness is displayed in our lives according to his definition of good and his idea of good. So yeah, God is good all the time. But that's not the whole truth. God is good all the time according to his definition of good. And most importantly, most importantly, God is good, and people say all the time, and according to his time frame. So, and this is where it gets into sound doctrine, preaching the truth of the Word of God versus a Disneyland version of it. God is good all the time, but sometimes you're going to find out that as you pray to God, as you walk with God, that goodness of God will not readily be apparent to you at the moment Somebody says, God is good, and you might repeat all the time, but that doesn't mean that at that exact second, or that week, or that month, or even that year, or sometimes 10 years, it's going to be all the time. It's in his time. It's in his time. Yes, God is good all the time, but you've got to add in his time. An example would be this. How many of you have experienced negative things? <clears throat> Now, assuming you you have given your life to the Lord and you're endeavoring to follow the guidance of the Lord and to obey his word, making all of those assumptions and assuming you're praying and you've committed your life to the Lord and you commit your life to the Lord on a regular basis, um, and you pray for God to protect, heal, deliver, provide, save people, uh, intervene in crisis events or, or whatever you pray for. If you've been around a while on planet Earth, you've discovered that the answer to those prayers doesn't all always happen immediately. 
So that doesn't mean God is bad. It doesn't mean God is unfaithful. It means that he may have higher, and this is not just a cop-out. If you're cynical, I'm not cynical, but I will tell you what I am, and I think many of you are the way I am. You're not necessarily cynical, but you're in the category that I'm in, which is like you're potentially cynical. <laughs> that simply means, it simply means that you're not cynical by nature. I'm not cynical by nature. I'm realistic by nature. Put it in contemporary terms from 50 years ago, my mother did not raise any fool. And I don't think your mother raised any fool either. So I'm potentially cynical, which means, and it means for you, we have our heads screwed on straight. We believe God works miracles. We've seen God work miracles. We believe God answers prayers all the time because we see God answer prayer all the time. And we're thankful to God. Our hearts overflow with thankful thankfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ for his continual and ongoing and faithful track record of miraculously answering our prayers day after day and year after year. I have seen in my own life and the lives of people I pray for, I have seen a continual stream of unbelievable, miraculous, divine intervention, divine provision, divine protection. I've seen an unbelievable, earth-shaking amount of the goodness of God displayed in my life through supernatural and miraculous intervention. And I would be a sinner. I would be a disgrace in the kingdom of God if I just didn't do what the ancient Jewish Pharisees and scribes and priests and even common people, if they said something that was blasphemous to God, they would tear the robes of their garments and and weep and, and, and repent before the Lord for making a, a profane and blasphemous and false statement. So if I, if I didn't tell you the whole story in truth, which is I've seen countless miracles, countless supernatural deliverances, constant answers to prayer, then I would have to rip my garbs, garments and repent and weep and wail before the altar because I would be lying to you. I have seen God answer prayers on my own life. I can't tell you how many times I should have died and I'm alive. And I know that in every one of those situations, there's only one reason I'm alive and not dead. And it was God Almighty reached down from heaven and miraculously spared my life. In other words, by all practical purposes, I should have been checked out of planet Earth. But I wasn't. And I've seen that happen in loved ones' lives, friends' lives, people I pray for. God is unbelievably good and unbelievably, but in reality, believably, answers prayer. So, <clears throat> when you say God is good, you better believe it. I'm the first in line to say all the time. But you've got to say it in context, because sometimes you'll see God do, you know, I've seen God do miraculous things that save somebody's life or my life, and it was just a flat-out amazing miracle. And if I I could sit here now and probably recall, I'd have to get out a notebook or something, really think about it. And I could probably come up with a hundred, at least a minimal of a hundred, supernatural miracles, acts of deliverance and provision, breakthroughs from God on an unbelievable level. Now, if I added to that list that very real life fact that when I prayed to God to answer prayer, there's a whole other category of times where I had to wait in faith and wait, trusting in the Lord, 
and sometimes it was weeks, months, years, decades, or yes, write it down, or sometimes the, the flat-out truth is it was many decades before I saw that answer to prayer. And I'm, I'm not trying to talk down to you when I say, hear what I'm saying. He still answers prayer. He still is good all the time. But sometimes you will wait. And not because he's cruel or mean. It's because he tries to work all things out for your good and the good of his plan on planet Earth. Or as it says in the Bible, he tries to work out all things for the good to those who trust them according to his purposes. Years ago, many moons ago, decades ago, I used to promote concerts, Christian contemporary Christian music concerts at the Lions Club. And back then, uh, we had two good friends who had a, a husband and wife contemporary music duo, Mickey and Becky. And one of their hit songs, and they gave out T-shirts, and people at church sang the lyrics all the time. And the lyrics went something like, everything's under control, whoa, whoa, everything's under control. You know, my rendition of it is kind of embarrassing, but you get the point. They were singing a song based on the verse that says, when you're walking with God, everything is under control. Everything is under control. And it was an encouragement to, to always remember that. And everything is under control. But once again... It doesn't always happen with the snap of a finger. Sometimes there's a time delay. And that's my point, okay? And that's something that we need to remember. That's having the difference between having a mature faith based on sound doctrine and immature faith based on false doctrine. We have, you know, they are, the more you tell, I know this because I've been doing this for many decades. Yes, it's finally arrived. It's finally arrived. What it was arrived, you'll have to figure it out. But it has finally arrived. I have been preaching and communicating the Word of God, evangelism, pastoring a church, being in the ministry, an apologist, a debater, researcher, an author, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So the point is this. Uh, it has been many decades that I've been doing this. And, you know, wisdom eventually trickles down. Where, 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 trickles down from where? It trickles down from the top of your head, inside into your brain. It takes a while if you're thick-headed. And I'm, I'm thick-headed. So are many of you. That's why you listen to the program. If I wasn't thick-headed, you would be turned off by me. And you would go to some superficial whatever. I'm thick-headed because... Not in every case, but in many cases, I've done my homework, I've done my research, and I know what I'm talking about. That gives me confidence to say what I say and to believe what I believe. And if you're, if you're willing to pay the price for confidence and not try the shortcut technique because it doesn't work, uh, you will discover that if you do your homework, if you do your research, if you actually read books, even if you speed read them, I'll give you a perfect example. People always accuse me of lying. You know why? Because my reality is different than their reality. So when I say something openly and transparently about my reality, and it's a glaring contradiction to the reality of the, quote, average person in America, and it's certainly a glowing contradiction to many people who listen to me, not my regular listeners, people who, who visit the Paul McGuire Report or whatever. They, 
because my reality is different, so different than theirs, they immediately assume that I'm lying all the time because they can't fathom that not everybody is living like they do. So, for example, my wife counsels me. This doesn't mean I do everything she tells me to do, but I, I know the wisdom of a godly wife, and many times she's right. Many times I bristle with resistance, but the mature man knows when his wife is right and has the realization that he would benefit by listening to her wisdom. And so she will, will occasionally remark to me, Paul, you know, people are going to think you're lying. Say that. I said, honey, I'm not lying. She says, I know you're not lying. I've lived with you for 50, 60 years. We've been married a long time. Not 60, 50 years, 40 years, something like that. In any case, she says, I know you're not lying. I've lived with you for years. I know you're telling the truth. I see you doing privately the things that you say you're doing. But you can't say that because most people, including Christians, they will assume you're lying, Paul, if you say that. In other words, if you tell the truth, they're going to assume you're lying. So, for example, in, in one of the first revisions of my book, Power From On High, I'm really, I'm really I'm saying you need to get it while it's available, while you can get a copy in paper so that you can keep that around should you need it as time goes by, because electronic information will not be here. And uh, you, need, you can get it at a discount right now at paulmcguire.us. You need to grab it. So, uh, in, in the early revisions of the book, when it was first being edited, uh, oh, by the way, with all the books with just my name on the cover, I'm the writer and the author. I don't hire an author. I'm the author. Am I necessarily the greatest author? I don't know. But I do know this. I'm doing the best that I can with what I have and in the time that I have. And so anyway, she says, you can't, you, you, you can't, it came down to an issue where I think I had in one of the earlier versions of Power from One, or at least I said that on, on, on average, on a monthly basis, back then when I was a kid, I would go to the local public library, thank God we didn't have the internet, and, uh, oh. I would, on average, wrench, I don't know, 25 books a month uh, and read them. Now, that means I, I did a speed read, or I read them quickly, or I meticulously read them. But on, this is on average. Sometimes it was higher. Sometimes it was lower. 25 books a month. And that goes back from young childhood uh, for, you know, until I continued on for, for many, many, many years. But she said, you can't say that. People will think you're lying. I said, but I'm not. She said, it doesn't matter. They, they, they don't read 25 books a month. They, they don't even read maybe three books a month unless it's assigned reading from school. So they're going to assume you're making it up and a liar, and it will discredit you. Even though you're simply telling the truth, in some people's eyes, it will discredit you. So I said, okay, I gave into it because I realized my goal is to be effective, not to tell the truth and actually offend people and erect a a blockage between me and, and communicating truth. So, today, while I was busy doing a lot of things, I was researching uh, some stuff, and uh, somehow in the body of research, 
the title of a book and an author came up. And it was on information that I was you know, pretty well versed in, but there were some things that were said that I said, you know what, I need to check this, this book out because it may have some valuable information for me that will help to put together the puzzle pieces. And uh, so I, I found the book online, and I began to just peruse the book. The next thing I know, I was speed reading the book. But I wasn't just speed reading a book. I was going back and forth between speed reading it and methodically reading it line by line. And I knew the information the author presented was accurate because I was highly familiar with the topics and the subject matter. And I knew that the author was credible. So in a matter of, I don't know, four hours, let's say, I, this was like a 476-page book. I had read it before I got into the studio. And now, normally, I wouldn't say that because people, again, will assume that you're lying. But you see, I'm not interested in, in kind of like guessing. Sometimes it's important that you really know the facts because the facts that you know determine your effectiveness and it determine your future outcomes. And if you get it wrong in the initial stages, you end up, you know, trying to drink from a, a mirage in, in the desert, and you, and you come out of your dehydrated state with a mouthful of sand. So these cases are not a matter of lying. It's a matter of truth. It's how bad do you want the truth? And if you passionately want the truth, you're going to go after it. So what am I saying to you? What I'm saying to you is that God told us knowledge is power. The truth shall set you free. God talks endlessly about the need to study to gain wisdom, to show thyself approved, to search out for knowledge like you would precious jewels and gold and silver, and that you search out for wisdom and knowledge, and that you gain knowledge, that you gain wisdom. And this will give you power and raise you up and favor, and, and God will be able to use you because you were, you were willing to lay down your time to Read. Yeah, Americans have become allergic to the word read, and they're paying the price for it. We now are raising several generations of, I don't even know if they could pass an IQ test from 30 years ago, because all they do is absorb social media. So you have, I'm not making fun of anybody, but you now have several generations that probably would be diagnosed with clinical ADD and ADHD because of their addiction to social media. They have no attention span, no knowledge of history, no knowledge of science, technology, politics, economics, biblical theology, and, and all the other things that, by the way, you know, Americans act like, well, that's only relevant if you're majoring in it. That's only relevant if you're getting a job in that area. Both, are, both of those statements are complete lies. It's totally relevant. Did you know that the United States of America has the worst educational system in the entire world? And yet you got all these suburban housewives and stuff and other people thinking that, wow, you know, I got an education and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you got an education in the worst educational system in the world. whoop de do <clears throat> And all of that was done intentionally, by the way. 
Now, in contrast, and you can read all about how this happened in my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. In contrast with that, you go back to the time of the Pilgrims and Puritans in the 1600s in America, before the American Revolution, and the Pilgrims and Puritans settled America. They were strong, Bible-believing Christians, but they were also big, listen to me, the Pilgrims and Puritans were big readers of the Bible. They were big readers of books. Hear it again, big readers of books. And because they had knowledge as power, they had something powerful to give to the creation of what we call the American way of life, the American dream, and ultimately all of America's prosperity and blessing and uh, success came from the fact that at least when our nation was founded, um, it was founded by pilgrims and Puritans who were men and women who had a strong biblical worldview. They not only had economic knowledge, philosophical knowledge, scientific knowledge, theological knowledge, the average young person, I'm talking about in grammar school or what we would call junior high or whatever today, could read or read and speak multiple languages, sometimes six or seven different languages, like Greek, uh, like Hebrew. They could read and, and write in Latin and many other languages. They knew Christian theology, but they also knew secular philosophy. So when they made their contributions to the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and the structure of the first American government, they were embedding powerful biblical truths into the American system, which built the American system. And if you want to know why America became the greatest nation on earth, most prosperous, at one time we didn't lose wars, we were, we were an upwardly mobile people for everybody, for everybody. It doesn't mean we didn't have problems. It didn't, doesn't mean we didn't have hypocrisy. We did. But when you look at American history, the critics of American history do not want to tell you the whole truth. Yes, we had slavery. Yes, that was a sin. But guess what? American lives died in huge numbers as huge numbers of Americans fought to free the slaves with their own blood during the Civil War. And our president back then, President Lincoln, was in part assassinated and killed for his role in the Civil War. So when you tell a partial truth, which is the same thing as a lie, you make it like America's a racist nation, end of story. No, that's not the end of the story. America did have racism in it, and we fought a revolution that cost us the lives of our own sons in battle in order to free the slaves and undo and rectify a wrong that we were in part uh, complicit in. You don't hear that, do you? You don't hear the most important part, because if you look at other nations, you don't see the historical example of, of, the, right, of the wrong being righted. And that's why I'm a critic of uh, critical race theory, because the truth about critical race theory is that it's built on a philosophical, theological lie. Critical race theory is not built on biblical principles. Critical race theory is disguised to the uninitiated as biblical principles, but in fact, 
critical race theory comes directly from the verbiage of the German schools of theological higher criticism that arose in Nazi Germany. And the German schools of theological higher criticism were designed by Marxist and communist professors to indoctrinate and brainwash pastors and Christians and evangelicals into rejecting the miraculous nature of the Bible and to replacing Bible teachings with the principles of Marxism and the principles of communism, which always, without exception, enslave and have enslaved, as a matter of historical record, hundreds of millions of people have died, been slaughtered to death, tortured, sent to mental hospitals for political reasons all over the world. Because the number one hatred, the number one goal of Marxism and communism, and again, I ask you to take a deep breath and hear me out, do your homework, and then come back to the table if you want to criticize. But the fact of the matter is, the critical race theory was designed by the Frankfurt School Marxists to accomplish their three primary goals. Number one, their number one goal of everything was to destroy, eradicate, and limit and limit Christianity from any land they entered, including America. So the wiping out of Christianity is the number one goal of critical race theory and the Frankfurt School professors. Their number two goal of critical race theory and the Frankfurt School professors is the destruction and eradication of the traditional American family. And you see that that operation uh, fully optimized right now as we're talking. All-out war against the traditional American family. All-out war. And then number three, the number third goal of the communist Marxist revolutionaries, critical race theory, critical theory, and the Frankfurt School of Marxist professors is the total destruction. Let's say them again. Number one of Christianity. Number two of the traditional family. And number three of moral absolutes like right and wrong, because they have to remove moral absolutes from their equation. Because once they remove all moral uh, rights and wrongs from their equation, they have essentially given themselves, like James Bond, 007, a license to kill. And their, their philosophical bylaws, if you will, of the Marxists and the communist revolutionaries in our nation and in every nation is you'll constantly hear them say, there is no right or wrong, and we're going to bring in a Marxist and communist revolution by any means necessary. So their magic words are, there are no absolutes, there is no God, we give ourselves permission to, to ignite a revolution and win and install this communist Marxist revolution by any means necessary. That means they justify and make legitimate uh, and give themselves permission to do anything, no matter how barbaric, evil, and cruel, in order to overthrow what they call the old order and install the new world order, which is nothing more than a global planetary slave state. And now in our lifetime, if your eyes are wide open and you're looking, if you're reading and gaining knowledge, if you're not in a trance state but you're awake and paying attention, 
you probably realize that right now we're in the middle of an all-out global spiritual and technological war, and they're calling it Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum and others, they're calling it the Great Reset. And the Great Reset is just a new wording for uh, the New World Order. And the Great Reset is not a good thing. When the leaders, the top people in the Great Reset, tell you to your face, which they have over television, over video, over press conferences, over books, over articles, all which can be documented, and I quote them in my books like a power from on high in the greatest battle and a prophecy of the future of America. They keep saying over and over again, again, I'm not trying to talk down to anybody, but hear what I'm telling you. Hear what I'm telling you. And wake, you know, I felt like something, saying something right there. And I don't want to insult anybody, but I was right on the edge of finishing a statement, and I, I would have offended a lot of people. And I backed off to temptation, just like you try to back off. Well, I backed off. But I felt like finishing the statement in street style, because that allows you to express your passion. And I'm not going to express my passion in that way, because I, I, must, I have a, a, a conflicting, not a conflicting, it's only conflicting for me as a mere human being. I have a mission statement from God, just like you do, which requires you to be an ambassador to the kingdom of heaven, and yet at the same time, be in the world, but not of the world. So you're called to, to represent the higher ideals and virtues of the kingdom of heaven by functioning, talking, dressing, walking, and acting like an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven. That requires that you walk according to a higher standard, and that means you can't say everything you'd like to say. But at the same time, you're commanded by God to be like the people, dress like the people, use the language of the people in order to reach the people you're trying to reach. And so it's a delicate balance, because if you go off too far in one direction or another, you're going to lose your effectiveness. Okay, this is Paul McGuire. We've just begun. We have just begun. Visit paulmcguire.us and get yourself a copy of Power from on High, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, Conquering the Matrix, um, and many other books. 46 books in all to date. And if you read them all, even just speed reading, but revisited them. I revisit books all the time. I have books that I like and, and books that I love. The books that I love that really transform my life, I've kept them my whole lives. There's only a small number of those. But I will, on a yearly basis, probably go back and look for quotes from those authors in those books you know, 100 times every year. People like Dr. Francis Schaeffer. I mean, the guy is just a well of truth, but he was a reader and a writer, reader and writer. If you're not going to model in front of your children a love and a passion for reading, you're going to lose your children, because they're only going to read what the totalitarian state wants them to read, and that's called brainwashing. 
two things. This is this is you know, I don't want to sound cheesy and, and make. I'm giving away to you for free precious truth, and I don't want to be cheesy about it or, or sound like some slick guy or whatever. But the truth I'm sharing to you, those of you who who are in sync with me about the truth that I'm sharing with you, in other words, you're linked up to it, and you're going to do what you can to implement that truth in your life and in the life of your children and grandchildren and nation. The devil and the demons consider you on a spiritual evaluation. The devil and the demons consider you armed and dangerous to hell, the demons, and the fallen angels. Why? Because you have knowledge that gives you power. You have the Holy Spirit that gives you power from on high. You know what you're talking about. That gives you a right to speak at the table. And people that have knowledge and read, they don't have to go spending 30 minutes bragging about their bio or credentials or what they did 30 years ago. Well, I was a pitcher in my high school baseball team. Nothing wrong with that. I salute you. I hope you had a good time. But if that's your selling point to give you credibility 25 years later, when we're talking about globalism, good luck. Good luck. Good luck. You're going to need it. And I don't believe in luck. Okay, so you know that you need to go to paulmcguire.us, paulmcguire.us. We're playing catch-up, but with God, all things are possible. Part of this ministry, well, in fact, the assignment of this ministry is to win souls to Christ, to communicate and educate in a biblical worldview, which means to teach the Bible, to, again, to win souls to Christ, to make disciples of all nations, and to equip God's people to win the greatest spiritual battle in the history of mankind. But I cannot fulfill that mission. I cannot be effective in that mission unless I instill in you and transmit into you from me not only a passion for reading the Word of God, not only the habit of reading and studying the Word of God, but a passion and habit of reading books so that you can acquire knowledge. Why? Because knowledge gives you power. And so that you can acquire biblical knowledge, because biblical knowledge gives you superpower, as in what Jesus Christ talked about in the book of Acts, you get power from on high. Now, when the devil and the demons and the fallen angels happen to encounter on campus at some job in a factory, driving an Uber, a, a CEO of a, of a large corporation, a member of the entertainment industry in some capacity, a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever, when the demonic realm encounters an individual who's at the top of their game in their chosen profession, who is a reader and has knowledge, who knows history, who happens to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, but also has a knowledge of the Word of God, the devil, the demons, the fallen angels, even they have enough sense to recognize that they're not, they're not uh, engaged in a spiritual battle with their favorite soft target, which is the dumbed-down evangelical Christian. They're shaking in their boots because they realize that whether or not they wanted to, they bumped right into a mighty man or a mighty woman of God in the last days who just happens to be spiritually armed and dangerous because they have authentic and biblical power from on high. They have knowledge which gives you power. They know history. They know philosophy. They know, the, they know how to communicate effectively. And they know that this person knows how to wield their spiritual armor 
but also their intellectual weaponry and the totality of their spiritual weaponry. And they know that this encounter is not going to go well for them, that they're going to be dropped. That's why I titled one of my books, uh, where I called it, um, sorry for sounding pretentious, but when you write 46 books, you forget some of the titles. So I'm turning around in the studio, and the name of the book is, oh yes, Standing Down Goliath. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, walking in the counsel of his word, humbling yourself before God and not being presumptuous or, or, or filled with pride, there will be times where God will anoint you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus called it power from on high. David had the anointing, and that's why he had translated in modern terms, he thundered to the Nephilim giant Goliath. He told him to stand down. Uh, here's the shepherd boy with a slingshot telling this brutal military berserker. I don't know if he was a berserker in the truish, truest sense, but, but this, this guy was like ready to rumble. He would wake up every morning, have the equivalent of his chocolate cocoa puffs or fruit loops, jump out of bed on a sugar high. And the first thing that came into Goliath's mind as he thought of the armies of Israel, he grinned and would say to his human wife, baby, I'm ready to rumble. And he meant it. He wanted to tear it up. He woke up angry, and he, he wasn't going to stop until he spilled, spilled the blood of the, the armies of Israel. David was, was you know, a shepherd boy who's whose military practice was was fending off the wolves, which is a type of demon, fending off the wolves with his shepherd's staff and his trusty slingshot and, and getting them to their destination safely. So when he was under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, out of his inmost being, the words thundered, out of David, directly into the background armies of Syria, and rattling around Goliath's head were the words that you need to stand down, Goliath. And the church should be saying, stand down to the World Economic Forum. Stand down to the Great Reset. Intelligently, I issued a public challenge to the intellectual hitman of the World Economic Forum, Harari. Assuming there's no rigging, no stacking of the audience, no camera manipulation, no deliberate and intentional lowering of my sound and raising of his sound, all of which used to happen to me regularly when I would appear on CNN on some of their biggest programs, when I would win the debate, which was almost all the time, what they would do as a last resort is they would cut my mic go to a commercial when I was making a point, or lower my volume so that nobody could hear my rebuttal to the person that was arguing for whatever cause they were promoting. So I understand the dirty games. Of people. Okay, we're going to come back in just a minute, <clears throat> but I'm going to give you two things that, that I believe that if you'll even partially employ, it'll change your life and your children's life forever and ever and ever. And you can change their end game. You can change their outcome by just exercising a mustard seed of faith. 
and I'm giving it to you free. And by free, I mean the reason I can give it to you free is we have partners who partner with this ministry and who give donations and financial contributions as they obey what the Lord tells them to do, who are intercessory prayer warriors with us and and send out our links far and wide. This is Paul McGuire. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Paul McGuire of the Paul McGuire Report. You know, the more you tell the truth, the more people you communicate the truth to, the more documentation you have, the more facts you have, and the more that when you communicate the truth, the more you're going to be opposed and lied about and attacked because your very existence, your presentation uh, of the truth with the facts and documentation to back up what you're saying, you become, you become as an individual spiritually armed and dangerous to the powers of darkness because truth will always conquer deception if, if you present it. Now, because, and I'm not the only one, so this is not all about Paul McGuire looking for a way to congratulate himself or to coronate himself for crying out loud. I'm not the only one who speaks the truth. Many people speak the truth in alternative media and other places. And they have paid the price. I've paid the price in the past. I've been kicked off, and uh, somehow I got back on different platforms. But minding my own business, winning people to Christ, praying for people, giving people hope, serving a God who is love, okay, being an ordained, licensed minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a Bible teacher and a professor of Bible prophecy, with a 40-year track record of integrity, excellence, um, and honesty, and, and being factual in what I say. You can take all of this. Is going to, no, I'm not going to say what I was going to say because I'll be giving an open invitation. Okay, so I get a little notice from, guess who? Google, my, my, the partner that loves me so much. Google. I'm thankful to Google for many things. That, that's the truth. I'm not just schmoozing. I am. But I'm not, I, I can't say that I'm thankful. Said you're contradicting what you said earlier. Yeah, I'm human, so <laughs> you got what you got. Um, I'm, this is going. This is, has been sent out to all of you who get my free Paul McGuire Report eblast. Paul McGuire Ministries Report. It comes by email, but you have to sign up for it. If you don't sign up for it, do not expect to get it. Where I give privileged and excellent information for free to everybody who signs up for it, and we just sent out one, uh, and this is one of the headlines. There's a number of articles, a number of videos, a number, lots, lots of good stuff. Um, Paul McGuire is ready to rumble. Click here. I'm all for that. Then in big green letters it says, this video got me kicked off of YouTube. Yeah, if YouTube kicked me off, I don't know, it was late at night, two days ago or whatever, and I get a notice from YouTube kicking me off. Oh, no, they kicked me off. I, 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 I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm being. I'm being banned. I'm being threatened to be banned. I'm kicked off, and I'm definitely kicked off. I can't advertise, which means I can't promote my channels. So, and I'm sending you the exact video uh, that was aired on YouTube two and a half years ago. Uh, 
and it says, this video got me kicked off of YouTube. And the name of the audio is Ch Changing the Human DNA. And it's a, it's a video audio presentation. And so, and it says, two and a half years later, this video, Changing the Human DNA, uh, was removed from YouTube this past week. Expect censorship when you don't agree with the narrative. So I'm, I'm being threatened. And I, look, look, I, I try to, to speak the truth in love. I, I try to not censor myself, but I try to moderate myself. And this is completely unfair. This is all about they, they don't like truth that comes from a biblical worldview. And I'm not going to back down on this. It doesn't. I, I, don't, I don't live for your approval. I'm talking about it's not you. I don't live for your approval. And what I said was true. In the in the thing, you need to hear it. Changing the human DNA. When you change human DNA, you are crossing over one of God's let's call them super fault lines of judgment. You look back in history and you see there are pivotal pivotal uh, cataclysmic moments in history where the human race, through its willful rebellion against God and His laws, literally and volitionally made the decision and to cross over the line. They knew precisely what they were doing, and the moment they crossed over the line, doing what God forbade that they should do, they unleashed global or national judgment of unprecedented proportions. Now, you're going to have to watch the video. It's free. Changing the human DNA. The last time the human race decided to rally around changing human DNA, was in the time period before the flood of Noah. And I explain this in simple, understandable terms in my free video, Changing the Human DNA, which you get if you sign up for the e-blast list at paulmcguire.us. Um, and now, in our lifetime, after the, the great flood of Noah, where God, it was so egregious to God, the Creator, capital C, that mankind engaging in Lucifer and the fallen angels and the demons, the, the women, including so-called women of God, they allowed themselves to have illicit sexual intercourse with the fallen angels um, in places like Mount Hermon and other places, and they produced, they got impregnated by the fallen angels, and they gave birth to a hybrid species that was part fallen angel DNA mixed with part human female DNA. And that's called a hybrid species. When you mess with God's DNA, when you mess with God's holy creation of mankind, mankind is the highest of all the creatures that God has ever created with the exception of himself. You need to know that theologically. God has big plans for every man and woman that accepts him as their Lord and Savior. And yet, there are certain things that mankind can do, which these are deal breakers. And so, mankind allowed their females to mate with fallen angels and produce, let's be really specific and unfortunately graphic about what a hybrid species is. After the, the, the fallen angels mate, sexual intercourse with human women, 
if the human woman gets impregnated with Nephilim or fallen angel DNA, she then, in her womb, begins to grow a baby, which is, in the eyes of God, a hybrid species, which means a mixture of fallen angel DNA and human female DNA. As such, the human race has crossed over that all-important line of judgment, that line in the sand that God put into the earth, because mankind and the fallen angels together have conspired to violate one of the most important laws of God, which is spelled out in biological detail in the book of Genesis, where God says, be fruitful and multiply, over and over again to Adam and Eve. Then after the flood judgment of Noah, God says over and over again to Noah and his descendants, be fruitful and multiply. And God says in earlier in Genesis that you're not to mix the different species when you're being fruitful and multiplying. You don't mate uh, orangutans with human women. You don't rape, uh, allow frogs and human women to mate. You don't take, you don't violate any a dinosaur, you don't violate any particular species which has its own particular individual genetic code and mate it with something else of a different species that has a different uh, genetic code. That is profane and unholy and worthy of God's judgment. And God is, doesn't matter what you think or what I think, we don't judge God. This is a big deal with God. And it's such a big deal that when God looked down on the earth and he saw that it was filled with wickedness and that evil, once again, was running rampant and that the daughters of men were mating happily with fallen angels and producing the hybrid species of uh, Rephaim and Nephilim, this triggered God's righteous anger and he sent judgment into the earth. And we know the story of Noah. God, through Noah, found the only people left whose DNA was still holy and whose DNA had not yet been defiled. That was Noah, his wives, his sons, their wives, and their families. And all the animal species and the birds and the squirrels and, and, and the select number of human beings, all of them whose DNA had not yet been contaminated by the fallen angels, was brought onto the giant Ark of Noah, and God floods the, the earth with the intended purpose of eradicating and wiping off the face of the earth all beings, especially human beings, who allowed their DNA to be corrupted by the Nephilim or the Rephaim. And he does it through a great flood. And then after the flood waters subside, God tells them once again, go out there and be fruitful and multiply. So what we learn about God is that his creation is his creation, not our creation. And God does not allow us to go into our DNA or some other creature's DNA and artificially reconfigure it. That's transhumanism, and it's a great evil in the sight of God. So God punishes the earth and punishes mankind for, for, for doing what is essentially an abomination before God. Why is it an abomination? Because the only creature that can be saved is a human being. Only 100% genetically pure DNA human being can be a human being, a man, and a woman. Because only human beings uh, have the capacity to have their sins forgiven by faith in Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. And only those with 100% human DNA 
human being DNA have the capacity uh, to be saved, to be born again by putting their faith in Jesus Christ, by inviting Christ into their life. So the only creature that can be saved is a human being. Only human beings can have their sins forgiven. Only human beings can be born again. Only human beings can be granted eternal life. And only human beings are given a brand new, perfected, glorified body at the time that they die. Demons, fallen angels, Satan, Lucifer, all these other entities floating around in whatever dimension, all these other animals and other species, none of them, not a zero, can be saved. Only human beings can be saved. And that is why it is so absolutely important in terms of priorities that God protects the integrity of the DNA of his prized creation, human beings and human men and women. So God, in his wrath, rightful wrath, judges the earth with a great flood. Now, here we are thousands of years later. Yeah, the the fallen angels have snuck back in. They've been back in since not all that long after the uh, flood. And they've been growing in power, infiltrating kingdoms, infiltrating family bloodlines. And these uh, fallen angels are highly intelligent, and they have been working. Fallen angels cannot, fallen angels and Satan cannot inhabit the physical world, earth realm, the physical reality world. They don't have the ability or the capacity to inhabit uh, this material, physical world that God created. In order for the demons, the various rankings of demons and fallen angels to operate in and live in this physical earth realm reality, uh, they must have a host body from some species that will temporarily house them. So fallen angels and demons need a host body in order for them to operate in the physical world reality. And that's why uh, when Jesus was ready to cast uh, you know, a whole bunch of demons out of a man in the New Testament, he was, it was called legion because it, he had so many demons inside him they, they collectively together were called legion. And before Jesus Christ ordered them out of the body of the demon-possessed man, all those demons living inside the demon-possessed man begged Jesus not to send them out into the dry places of the desert. Why? Because there's no human beings there. They begged him to send, to send the demons. The demons begged Jesus to send the demons into the uh, into a bay of pigs, because at least the pigs would have provided a temporary earth dwelling, a physical earth dwelling, where the demons could temporarily inhabit. If they were sent back into the lake of fire or they were sent into some other zone, they would burn up, they would be ejected from the earth, because demons and fallen angels cannot inhabit the earth without some kind of temporary host body. That's why they begged Jesus to send the demons into a bay of pigs. And as soon as all the demons entered the bay of pigs, the pigs themselves went insane and drowned themselves in the water, and they died. And like this irrational, well, pigs aren't rational anyway. So you see, you see this, this is what the demons are up to. This is what Lucifer is up to. He can't, he can't be worshipped as God in the earth 
He can't operate fully in the earth. The demons, the fallen angels, the principalities and powers, the dark unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places, various entities, etc., cannot operate in the physical earth realm unless they have a physical earth realm body, especially human beings, to inhabit. And, and so if you want to know why God destroyed millions and millions of certain birds, fish, animals, all kinds of weird species, snakes, why uh, the, the fallen angels were experimenting genetically with all these different animal species, bird species, fish species, etc. It's because they knew that their physical time on earth was running short, and the only way they could stay around to do more evil as the centuries went by, they had to have a viable earth-dwelling body that they could possess or inhabit. And so that's why God had to wipe out millions and millions of birds and fish and serpents and all kinds of animal and other species had to be wiped out because they they had been corrupted and defiled genetically. That's the secret to understanding the story of the blood of Noah. Okay, this is Paul McGuire. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Visit now paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in a moment. If you can implement these two things, like I talked about earlier in the program, but I didn't spell out the two things completely, but if you can implement these two things, and to the percentage degree you implement them is the percentage degree of return and blessing you will see in your life your children's life and your grandchildren's life, your nation, community, etc. Number one, you must, and not out of a sense of legalistic duty where you're bored out of your mind, you must develop a passion for reading, which means you've got to read stuff that God wants you to read because it'll turn you on. You've got to love reading, and you love reading by reading the right stuff. You have to instill that passion and love for reading, especially of the Bible. You have to demonstrate it and live it out in front of your children, and you have to pass it on into your children. This gener- There are several generations now. It wasn't my generation, and that doesn't mean that's, you know, I can't take any credit for it, but the point is there are several generations now that have been almost entirely, some entirely, educated by dumbed-down educational methodologies along with their entire, they never read, they just absorb social media and internet games and other mindless activities. And so they're being dumbed down at an accelerated rate. Now, if we know knowledge is power, and knowledge is power, and if it indeed it is true that if you know the truth, that the truth will set you free, then the way to rectify this problem of being dumbed down, which is a very dangerous thing, God gave you stewardship of your children and yourself. And there's tremendous capacity and potential built into you, but can only be released if you prime that potential and capacity by reading the right kind of things, by reading the Bible. And to the degree you you do that, you will reap a harvest, and it will blow your mind. All the people that I read about, on on the anti-God side, for crying out loud, 
were huge read readers, and they have, during their lifetimes, or if they're still alive, these are men and women who have changed the direction of human history, sometimes with horrible results and evil results. But the reason they got the power to change human history is they all had something in common. They were big, big readers. Did you hear what I said? So when we talk about the Huxley brothers, their philosophy and ideas literally control the world we live in today. Their philosophy and ideas are behind the World Health Organization, the United Nations, the euthanasia programs, the uh, vaccination programs, indoctrination programs, scientific dictatorship, Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, and his brother Julian Huxley, the father of transhumanism. What, what they had in common is they were massive readers, massive readers. Now, when you read the younger guy, who's like the co-head of the World uh, Economic Forum, Awari, whatever his name is, he is, when he was younger, when he was my age, when he was younger, like myself, he was a massive reader, massive reader. And that equipped him with the intellectual firepower to essentially be in a position where his ideas will literally control our reality on a global level. H.G. Wells, famous science fiction author, head of British intelligence in World War I, big reader. I mean, you could go back a list. Anybody who was anybody, for hundreds of years in human history, became somebody because they were readers. Now, you can fight that truth, but you're destroying your children and your, your future, the possibilities for our nation's future. Now, I'm going to say this. You've heard me say it many times. It doesn't matter if I say it another hundred times. It's true, and I'm not going to stop saying it until it sinks in. And I need your help in making that a reality. In the contemporary Christian culture in America, that means evangelical culture, Bible-believing culture, Protestant culture, whatever you want to call it, as a culture, there are many exceptions. Not everybody fits into this stereotype. But essentially, it is an anti-intellectual culture that is anti-reading, anti-books, and anti-thinking. That may offend you, but it is blatantly true. And that is the primary reason we have not been more victorious in the greatest battle. Repentance, in part, involves changing that. We must become selective readers of the right material. And if you're reading the right material, it's not boring. It's The only people who I've ever heard tell me that reading is boring are those people who are either reading the wrong things or people who are ignorant. And I'm not trying to be you know, holier than thou, but out of their ignorance, if you ask a fool to give you a wise op opinion, what kind of opinion do you think the fool is going to give you? It's certainly not going to be a wise opinion. It'll be the opinion of a fool. Reading is a turn-on. It's been a turn-on for men and women for centuries. And if you're going to let that take over your mind due to social media or whatever, you're going to lose. So in order to win the greatest spiritual battle in the history of mankind and to walk in true spiritual power, power from on high, high we need to recapture with a passion our emphasis on reading. And the acquisition of that knowledge will give us power. The acquisition of learning knowledge will give us power. The truth that we learn 
will make us free on every level in life. So many disastrous public policies, so many disastrous cultural opinions are the result of dumbed down, socially engineered people who don't read, who don't think, simply following blindly whatever they're told. And it's going to engulf us. When, when the Nazis, while the Nazis were, were teaching their people the, the, the subtleties and the occult practices of the secret German occult secret societies like the Vril Society, the Thule Society, and others, where they literally merged in physical world reality supernatural power, they merged it with scientific, technological, and biological power. And that's what gave them the power and, the, and opened the door for the demonic force of hell to give them the plan to conquer the world in a relatively short period of time, which they almost did, by the way. We face similar dangers in our hour. Now, at the exact same time, the Germans were teaching their young people and their generals how to utilize and harness occult power and occult rituals. At the exact same time period, the Frankfurt School Marxists and the German schools of theological higher criticism were brainwashing, socially engineering, and indoctrinating Christians and Christian pastors and people trying to go into the ministry. They were indoctrinating them with a belief system which we rejected completely the miracles of the Bible, the supernatural nature of the Bible, and the supernatural power of the Bible. So they basically put them through an educational course that sucked all the faith, the miraculous, the supernatural, and the power of God out of the theological structure of the Christian faith. And people will quip in their ignorance, well, that's because, you know, they were atheists. No, 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 no. It's because they were militant Satanists, Luciferian, and occultists. They said, while they were indoctrinating everybody else not to believe in the supernatural, not to believe in the Bible, at that exact same time, the Nazi educators were secretly feeding occultic supernatural power into the minds and hearts of young people and people in Germany. They, they practiced and believed in Satanism, Luciferianism, occult rituals. Their problem wasn't that they were atheists. What was really happening is they had a, a strategy to fool Christians into thinking that there was no supernatural when they full well knew there was a supernatural and they were benefiting by it. Same thing is happening in our lifetime. So the way we regain the battle, the way we recapture the land, is we have to get knowledge. First, from the Word of God, and read and study selectively. And then, reading and studying the Bible, if we really believe the Bible, then we would believe the teachings of the Bible. Let me just give you one among many. Jesus Christ told his disciples that they should go to Jerusalem and pray and tarry in Jerusalem and seek the Father until he sends them power from on high, or the dunamis, the dynamite explosive force of the Holy Spirit, or close them with power from on high, which he did. Jesus was telling his followers and disciples, just like Jesus is telling you and me today, just like Jesus Christ is telling every one of his disciples and followers today, 
that, hey, we can't, you and I can't accomplish much of anything unless we are first clothed with power from on high and that we have the power of the dunamis, meaning dynamite, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit, which will detonate with explosive force in our life, destroying the demonic strongholds. Now, once we connect with God on a biblical level, not an arbitrary Christian cultural level, we will rediscover that supernatural power. And so when we hit the battlefield, which is spiritual in America or any other place, we won't be simply mouthing words. Our words will be supernaturally charged with the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And people will see miracles. They will see victories. They will see answers to prayer. Yes, there, there will be a apostasy in the last days and false teachers and false prophets. Yes, the Bible warns of those things. But just because those imposters exist does not negate the fact that there, according to the Bible, are legitimate miracles, legitimate and biblical signs and wonders in the last days. Why would God and the apostles and the scripture itself devote so much time from Genesis to Revelation? teaching you and I and all of God's people around the world so much about how to get our prayers answered, how to experience miracles, how to engage in spiritual warfare, how to utilize the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Why would God spend so much time teaching his disciples and his followers about spiritual warfare, the supernatural power, and the miraculous if he did not intend for us to use it? in the future. So, for example, people say, well, well, that, you know, is just, that was just for the, the, the disciples in the last days. It doesn't say that in the Bible. Rightly divide the Word of God. The word disciple simply means the person who accepts the disciplines of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, disciplines is like synonymous with disciple. A Christian who's really serious about his or her faith will accept the disciplines of Jesus Christ, which include walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need to walk and wage spiritual warfare with the prerequisite of power from on high. And so the apostles taught us the same thing. The entire Bible teaches us the same thing. The only reason we are having difficulty in the short term winning this Massive last days spiritual war, as it comes down to one thing allowing and permitting the sin, the sin of unbelief and not renewing our minds with the Word of God, not believing the Word of God, and not receiving all of the promises of God, not receiving them by faith, and not activating them by faith. Jesus didn't tell us about power from on high to entertain us, He told us that have power from on high, so that we wouldn't enter the spiritual battle naked or absent the power of God. Right now, today, if we only had 1% of the U.S. population unifying on this goal, communicating what, which, what I just shared to you, a, an authentic biblical revival, an authentic biblical third great awakening, and the release of an authentic and biblical power from on high, would begin to come upon God's people in a supernatural way. In a matter of minutes, and then hours, and then days and weeks and months, and possibly years, 
the exponential but mind-blowing increase of the supernatural power of God, known as the dunamis, would be multiplying. It would be, as the military say, concerning certain warfare experiences, it would function. The dunamis power of God would function as a force multiplier. That means the force multiplier, in this case being the dunamis dynamite power from on high, functions as a force multiplier, which multiplies the power and effectiveness of all the other spiritual weapons and spiritual gifts that God has given us to be victorious in the last days. Now, I need your help. Um, This is not a game. The future of your children, the future of my children, grandchildren, or until however long it takes for the Lord to return. The future is not fatalistic, and it's not doom and gloom. There is a possibility regarding the future that is filled with promise, but it is conditional on you and I knowing what those promises from God are, such as power from on high, and it is conditional on our renewing our mind with the Word of God. It's conditional on our acquiring knowledge, which is power, um, and knowing the truth, because the truth shall set you free. So if we will do our part, I need you to spread this message far and wide. And by the way, you can help us do that. Google, as I said, is, has kicked me off. I got two other social media channels trying to kick me off, or they did kick me off. I can't keep up with it. But I don't believe in retreating. So if I'm kicked off, then we, Paul McGuire Ministries, Paradise Mountain Church, we, we have already expanded into brand new, very powerful social media platforms. That cost money. Free to you, free to you, but they cost us money. You need to sign up for our newsletter and guess and like and join these channels. And I'm going to tell you what they are so you can be hooked up to the power line, if you will. And together we can occupy the land. Okay, hang in there for just a second. I want to announce to you a number of social media channels we've just got on. This is Paul McGuire. Okay, please listen up. We've been kicked off Google before, but I think enough people like you complained. In any case, they kicked us off again for for talking about DNA. Now, why would they do that? Well, you kind of know from today's program, don't you? So, I'm not into retreating. If Google kicks us off, so what? Google's not God. So, we are now communicating to you on new social media platforms. Here they are. Write them down. They're listed at paulmcguire.us. Join them, please. Like them, please. Okay, so one of the new social media platforms that the Paul McGuire Report is now on is called Truth Social. Truth Social. The word truth, space, and the word social. Another new social media platform we're now on is, I think it's pronounced Getter, G-E-T-T-R, Getter, G-E-T-T-R. You can join that too. We're, we'll be on, not will be, we're on that. Uh, another brand new social media platform is called Gab, G-A-B. We are now on Gab. <clears throat> join them. If you don't join me and others that are willing to be persecuted for the truth, 
when the big bully Google and the big other bullies attack us, you, you know, you don't have a defense. You're attacked. You can't appeal it. So you're making your appeal to the deep state. They are controlled media. Um, so you need to follow us as, as, as we experience a modern electronic exodus. And, of course, we're on Twitter, but, you know, I get threats from Twitter. I just got kicked off of Google. And, again, I didn't do anything wrong, okay? I didn't violate their policies because they don't have a clear policy. And where I thought it would be in direct violation of their policies, I didn't violate it. They were looking to get me anyway, because anybody who speaks the truth, anyone who's not repeating the politically correct narrative, is targeted, who's, in, who's a social media person, who's out there. I'm out there. I've been out there for 40 years. Did you hear what I said? I've been out there for 40 years. And the reason I've been able to be out there for 40 years is because of your faithfulness and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ to pray for me, to pray for my family, to pray for this ministry, to pray, pray for those working with this ministry, and to obey the Lord when he tells you, I want you to make a financial contribution or donation to Paradise Mountain Church and Paul McGuire Ministries. Your faithfulness has allowed me to continue. And I do a lot of things that don't seem to be strategic to the casual observer. You may have noticed, for example, that all of the books that I've published that have just my name on them, Paul McGuire, I, I write other books with best-selling authors, but the books that I write exclusively for me, notice that I deliberately don't have them on on large, on very large media retail operations. Notice that you will not find my books from me sold on Amazon and other ones like that. Now, people say, you lose money. No, I'm not worried about money. I'm worried about some executive in that corporation in the near future cutting off, blocking, and stopping the sale of any book or musical album or whatever, where the executives of these big retail corporations online decide they're no longer going to sell Christian books, books that have to do with Bible prophecy, any book that criticizes people who criticize messing with our DNA. Do you, come on, track with me. Do you really believe that their purge, that their censorship, um, that it's going to stop with ripping people like me and other truth tellers um, off of social media. You think it's going to stop there? No, they're going to purge social media. So the voice of dissent and the voice of truth is totally censored. Then there won't be anybody around to complain about the fact that every book, any book that they consider for whatever remote reason, if they consider it to not be politically correct, or if they consider it to be on their no-no list, and you don't even know what their no-no list is, <clears throat> they, make no mistake about it. <clears throat> Excuse me, you heard, you heard me say it here. They are going to censor. That's right. They are going to censor and stop selling all those books with a snap of a fingers. But <clears throat> all the people who weren't paying attention gave them the rights to their books. And now there's no truth being spread. 
And I'm obligated before God to make sure the truth is being spread. And that's why I do what I do. That's my, that's why I'm accountable to God, to be faithful to proclaim the gospel. But in order to do that, I need faithful partners who will step up to the plate and join me in being victorious in this great spiritual battle. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Now is the time to stand up. Don't wait till new laws come in. That could happen overnight. And your freedom of speech is literally obliterated. Don't wait for that day. Stand strong while you can. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire.